From Little Mountain Sound in Vancouver, British Columbia, this is Lab Notes. And here's your host, Russ Hamilton. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. This is Lab Notes. It's the Connection Lab podcast. This is for people who have been in a workshop. (laughs) Have you been in a workshop? Have you been in a leadership development program? Some kind of management training? Maybe you've been in a Connection Lab workshop. Maybe you've done executive development. Maybe you've done a leadership journey. You are somewhere on your leadership journey, and chances are you've taken notes. Maybe just a few, maybe pages. What we want to do is encourage you to open up the book, review your notes, and then we want to help you establish a really conscious practice around what you're trying to get better at. That's what Lab Notes is all about. This is a Connection Lab podcast. You're invited to participate. We're so glad you're here. You're going to get a chance to email us. You're going to get a chance to text us. No matter what, even in silence, you're a part of this. We really appreciate you. On this episode, we travel the world. We go outside Mexico City, and we talk to a friend and a participant in Cuernavaca, Mexico. We also go to Austin, Texas, and talk to uh, a gaming master, (laughs) a musician, and a heavyweight in the people development field. Then we swing over to Montclair, New Jersey, and talk to someone who is deep into a Connection Lab executive development program and how they are experiencing that and what they're trying to get better at. But I'm gonna let them speak to all of that stuff. One of the things I'm trying to get better at is not pontificating too much. So this whole podcast is a contradiction to what I'm trying to get better at. But you're gonna bear with me, because you're a good sport. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Our first guest today is our first guest ever, and I couldn't be more excited. Can you hear me, Javi? Oh, yes, I can, Ross. Outstanding. Javier Sariega is a fast swimmer. Uh, Javi is a parent and a husband and a community builder and an administrator and a teacher and you are currently at the University of Mexico is that correct? Yeah University of Mexico Valley UVM UVM there you go how do we know each other Javi? Well, we had the wonderful pleasure to meet each other working as consultants at the Refinery Leadership, yep. um, at this uh, organization that um, when we were there was really creative mm. in terms of how we would help people get to know better themselves and from there uh, lead with more consciousness, integrity, and sense of purpose. So uh, we got to enjoy many different ideas and, and put them into practice. And yeah, we had the opportunity to build a friendship and to know each other and to share life together. Fantastic. Uh, you recently had a Connection Lab experience. That's correct. We had the opportunity to host you here in Cuernavaca with a small group of uh, facilitators, consultants and entrepreneurs and CEOs. And it was just a, a wonderful opportunity to see how this opportunity engages people from different perspectives and how each of them grew even in the matter of a, a few hours mm. and, and how that uh, experience has become something for them to reflect upon and to build upon. So what do you remember about our morning in Cordovaca? What do you remember about the space, the people, and your experience? It was very interesting because although I had been a part of a connection lab before, mm. it hasn't been uh, this way where we got together with people that had really no previous experience to you or, or to your offering, it was very nice to see how they really unfolded themselves or how they uncover aspects of themselves that allow them to 
think bigger about what they can achieve to, to gain consciousness, to gain confidence, and to see how that, the, the, how that empowerment led them to think that they can lead differently mm. in their organizations, in their family, to have conversations from a more deep and personal space. Mm-hmm. So you were a participant. You were sitting in chair number three and kind of looking at the whole experience from your chair. And of course, everybody was there because you are such an honored member in the community and they had really very little idea what they were showing up for, but they trusted you. And that came up in the room, which I thought was fantastic. Do you remember the opening conversation? Actually, do you, do you have a, the menu I sent you of the six box model and some of the questions and distinctions we worked with? Yes. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about that, that conversation? And when I say, what do you remember? I mean, what stood out for you? What really landed in the six box, the three questions, the three relationships? The first thing that happened is that you created a very safe personal space where people felt they could take some challenges and mm. that they could open up and and be brave, right? So you created a, what I would say is a, a safe space for things to occur. It was very beautiful how everyone shared a little bit of themselves and, and you were mentioning these, uh, these funny things about... Uh, you know, who was a stand-up comedian, who was shy to talk in, in public, who was a, a swimmer, who was etc. Things for everyone to remember everyone else, right? What is something so, we might find surprising about you? Exactly. What is something we might find surprising? And did right. you find things surprising about the people you were sitting with? Yeah. I mean, for example, there is this uh, one person who is very outgoing and it seems or shows up in um, social events with a lot of uh, self-confidence. Mm. Uh, and it was very surprising for him to share that he was very uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, shy. Very shy, yeah. exactly. Right? Yeah, that was surprising. And what was yours? I think I, I, I was the, the swimmer. Oh, that's right. You're a competitive swimmer, like Olympian. <laughs> so, uh, or actually, no, I, I said, what I said is that I, even though I, I work in many things, what I really would like to do is earn my life as a, as a writer. That That's I really right. like to write right. And, and to share my, my feelings and my thoughts and my ideas. And, 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 and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was happy the writer. That was, and it was very generous of you to talk about that. And other people in the room were surprised because they've known you for a long time. Yeah, and they didn't know that about me. They didn't know that about you. So I thought that was very generous of you to talk about. Yes, 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 yes. What else do you take away? What else do you remember? And I ask this because the question I'm always asking myself is, how do I learn anything? How do I learn things? What do I remember about events, workshops, training programs? What do I remember about them? And can I remember it without judgment or correction? Can I say, I don't remember a thing, man. I do not remember a freaking thing. Or I remember everything about it or somewhere in between. I'm always curious about how we learn anything. So this is why I'm so curious about what you remember about this experience. What I want to say is that I think that the way you have structured this experience is very simple yet very powerful. And it's simple mm. that ha- it's a simpleness that has come out of complexity. Mm. So just structuring it in this six box with the three primary questions and the three primary relationships is very, very easy for people to grasp and to understand. Mm. You know, your how do you show up under stress? How do I want to show up under stress? Or, and then the, the part that was very interesting is 
what do I do to get better or what do I want to get better at? Mm -hmm. And they said, you mean to to show up under stress better? No, 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 in general. How, I mean, how? what is it in your, I don't know, your universe that right now you want to get better at? Because that that's something that you will always need to get better at anything, right? So that, that was something very striking for people to be become aware. Mm -hmm. and, and then this uh, idea of how you relate to yourself, to your content, and to your audience is very simple yet very, very powerful. So mm -hmm. I think that the structure, Ross, is, I would say, like mesmerizing. People didn't expect something so simple to be so powerful. And that mm. it was very easy to see at the end of the session. So have you talked about it to other people since our experience together? Yes. I knew these people that I invited to share the experience with you. And um, I, I got to know them a lot better. And then afterwards, I got all these uh, thank you uh, notes because this has had meant something for them. And... Um, it was something, uh, what I saw is that they kind of connected to a place in themselves, to an authentic place in themselves that they know and that we all know it's there. But mm. for some reason, we are kind of afraid to, to, to show up standing there, connecting to who we really are, to our power. And it was very beautiful throughout the, the process that people trusted themselves enough to suddenly show up really, not mm. with disguises, not with their, I don't know, their well-known personality traits that keep them safe, but really kind of to open up and at the same time be vulnerable, but be powerful. That was kind of the impression, especially with this, this gentleman that I told you that he's very outgoing uh, on the social context, but now he he was able to show up as a leader uh, from a, from a place that he knows is there, but that it's difficult for him to actually get to stand up there. How how did they do that? Because each person took turns up on stage. How did they do that? How did they discover this thing that you're describing? I thought about it, and I think Ross, that the fact that you ask us to create the content out of this uh, question, you know, I want my leadership legacy to be, you know, answer mm -hmm. this or complete the idea. What do I want my leadership legacy to be? That makes it personal. So people wrote about personal things, things that matter to them. So um, you had us read uh, the first time what we wrote without looking or opening up really for connection. And mm -hmm. then you would lead us through different exercises to deliver the same content, but with the, the idea of being aware of the relationship to yourself, to your content, and especially to your audience, because without the audience, then the content doesn't matter. So mm. the, the reality was that they were able to show up because it mattered to them and they trusted enough to share it with us from a point of, I, I bring you good news. I bring you something that is important and I want to share it with you. And that was felt. Yeah. So when I ask how, I think what lands for me as you talk about it is through relationship. Exactly. You know, that what if the best of me is available when I put the needs of the audience ahead of myself? What happens when my values are truly embodied when I put connection with the audience ahead of connection with content? Yeah. And I think inverting that, because normally, under, especially under stress, we tend to emphasize relationship with content. 
But under the stress of this contrived workshop, people really discovered that connection with the audience is what multiplies the power and effect of the content. Does that resonate for you? Totally. At the end of the day, uh, the content matters in the sense that it is uh, relevant and uh, delivered to an audience that is connected to you. Uh, I mean, if you didn't have any content, that's okay if you have relationship, but you don't have content. But if you just have content and you believe that that is the key part, but you don't understand that it only makes sense in connection to the audience, then uh, the, the content is worthless. But if you have something that that is of value to you and you 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 go into relationship with someone, then you want to share it because it's valuable for you because it's like you know I am bringing you a gift of what I feel of, of a, a gem that I have inside that I want to share with you, but it only makes sense if you receive it. Yeah. Do you remember the exercises? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> right. Because yep. you don't decide if your audience feels seen and heard. Exactly. Right? They decide. So this idea of giving them authority to when I can go with my content. What do you remember about that? Well, um, the second part that you had us like deliver our content, for example, one exercise was to um, the audience. You would have to uh, get into relationship with uh, one or several members of the audience at a time because that happened, but especially with one through the, the, the way you look at them, the way you are, your body language. So you couldn't uh, deliver a phrase until the person that you are seeking to connect with would raise his or her hand um, uh, the, the, with that signaling that he or she felt seen by you. So mm. he, would, he or she would raise his or her hand and then you can deliver uh, a phrase or an idea to that person, right? Mm. That was one of the exercises. And then also building on that, we would do an exercise that you cannot leave connection unless the person raises his or her hand. So, mm -hmm. okay, I'm satisfied with the connection. You can move to someone else and deliver that the next idea or the next phrase. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in that way, the audience was uh, kind of... Uh, setting up the, the, the pace uh, at which you can deliver because it would give you permission to, to deliver your content. So when you talk about your experience to other people, what do you hear yourself say? What kind of conversations are you having after this workshop? One of the things that was very clear to me is that I first thought of people that their uh, work would benefit from this experience. Like mm. thinking it was more uh, aiming or more aimed at people in leadership positions. But after the experience, I realized that I could have invited a lot more people, even though they don't hold leadership positions in organizations, maybe they're even households. But this is important for relationship in general, for relationship to your spouse, to your children, to your friends like showing up and understanding that your message, your content has to come first from an authentic place, but second, in relationship. Otherwise, it's like just noise around to people, you know. So what, what I felt is that this was a lot broader in terms of who would benefit from this experience. Mm. And it's really open up for everyone. So how has your practice changed? What are you trying to get better at now? 
I'm trying to get better at projecting my ideas and my uh, and, and those things that I that I care for that I want to see happening. For example, my first book, I want to make sure that it's published, and uh, I want to write more, and I want to uh, set up uh, certain conferences that I that I want to do. I also want to get better at tennis, and uh, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love that because that's relevant, right? Getting better at tennis is relevant. Of course, because, you know, it, it just keeps you aware of what it takes to be uh, on your, how you say, like uh, on a vulnerable place, mm. being outside of your comfort zone. And this is how you grow in any aspect of your life. So it's important to have things that are fun, but that give you experience on, on uncomfortable uh, feelings, on ease feelings to, to, to keep growing. Is there a way to reduce discomfort? Mm, well, I think yes, in a way, because you can have like a metacognition, right? Like an understanding mm -hmm. of the process that you're going through, which includes feeling uncomfortable. So you are kind of also the holder of the space where, where things are happening without you being completely immersed in them and lost in the uncomfortableness, to say it some way. So if you know this process is going to make you feel uncomfortable because that's the way it happens, then it's less uncomfortable because you are prepared for that. Mm. What really resonated for me, what you're talking about here, is getting lost in discomfort, getting absolutely paralyzed in discomfort. That when I'm uncomfortable, there's nothing else except my experience of not wanting to feel this way, not wanting to be here, any escape, any escape from the way I'm feeling and the way I'm thinking and the way I'm experiencing life right now. Is there a way to elevate myself out of that? And I would say there is, and it's on one of my liner cards here, seek the answer in relationship, Yeah. right? The answer is what color are the eyes of the person in front of me? And can I ask an answer in silence? And just be curious. Does curiosity help me counterbalance discomfort? I think that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense because you, it kind of breaks the egocentric kind of a, uh, perspective right and you suddenly realize that there is a broader world there and that you are part of um i don't know like an immense uh movement of energy and you mm. um, be are able to take yourself a little less uh serious yeah and keep enjoying whatever you're trying to do and and you know what something i learned from a, a dear friend breathe That's a great reminder. And that, dear friend, is you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else you're trying to get better at? Well, I'm always trying to get better at parenting. I think yeah. that's, my, that's my greatest opportunity in life and keeps me on my toes. And I keep, you know, learning, making mistakes, learning, making yeah. mistakes. Um, I, I don't think there's any nobler, uh, more fulfilling, more relevant role at least for me. Uh, so I am honored always and always on my toes to to keep trying to accompany my, my kids to become who they are, to find mm -hmm. their way, to find their, their path, to find their voice. So all of this actually to me is very relevant. They are, they are only five-year-old, they're twins and right now. So just uh, little by little helping them to... Uh, Exactly, to find their voice, to find mm. their path. What are the competencies of good parenting as you are experiencing it? 
or bad parenting. When a competency is missing, what I like to do is condense large principles into competencies as much as possible. So what's a competency inside of parenting that you want to get better at? I would say uh, listening. Yeah. Which is um, very uh, close, in close proximity, or is based on uh, on patience. Mm. Uh, parenting uh, can really be uh, frustrating in many ways. So just, uh, I would say, managing or handling discomfort, yeah. uh, frustration, and being able to tolerate frustration. I think that's a very important competence. And that's actually something we keep trying to teach our children, right? To, to be able to, to handle discomfort or, or frustration, right? So I think that's, that is so true for us parents as well as for children. Mm. How do you handle failure? I love it when you say permission to fail, you know, mm. that kind of uh, turns the knob two or three notches down in terms of intensity. And like, you know, we are all in a path. And I think that when you include uh, failure as part of the path, then it is less heavy. Uh, how am I in terms of failure? I think I can grow a lot more. I think I can become mm. a lot better. I, I don't know if it's me or is it just general that, you know, you try not to fail. You try to do it well. You try to achieve your goals. But then time and time again, you miss them. And for a time, I feel kind of uh, maybe angry or not even too compassionate with myself. Mm. So I think that becoming more compassionate with myself in, in that process is very important. So there are people around the world listening to you right now, and I think grateful to hear your voice talk about this because, and in fact, that's what this show is about. That's what this podcast is about. I think uh, there's a lot of room there for each of us to practice how we fail and what are the competencies with taking care of myself. How are you with success? How are you when you succeed wildly? Well, that um, kind of pumps up my, my, my energy in terms of, of always seeking to keep growing, right? There's, there's this call of always finding more, understanding more, uncovering more. And so I think it's, it's always a balance, uh, but it's always striving to, to know more. So I don't know, I, I would say that success for me is always personal. It's always mm. internal. Even though I was a competitive swimmer, to me, competition towards the outside, I wouldn't say it's not meaningful. It is, but only in a very limited context. I, I really don't consider myself competitive as, um, as, as I used to be or as, as many people think or feel that you have to be competitive. Mm. Well, maybe yes, but in another context, competitive towards yourself and, and striving to achieve things that are meaningful to you, but that doesn't really... Uh, include how you measure against others in general. I bring it up because permission to fail and permission to succeed are often bound together quite tightly. Totally. Right? So if I struggle with permission to fail, there's a good chance I'm struggling with permission to succeed as well. Mm, totally. Yeah. I agree. And I really appreciate you talking to me. This means a lot to me. Oh, it's my pleasure, my friend. Say hello to the family, carry on, and we'll talk again soon. I would just like to say one more thing. This that you're doing is, I mean, it's a treasure. I commend you for that. And I will be rooting for you because what you are doing changes lives. Mm. And all the lives that you touch, at the same time, touch many other lives. So, you know, congratulations, my friend. I am honored to be your friend. And I give, wish you the best of luck. And I'm sure you're going to get the best of success. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Javi. I'll talk to you again soon. 
Okay, you're listening to these conversations and you want to jump in. That's a great instinct. We would love to hear from you. We would love to have you on the show. Do you want to be a guest on the show? You should totally be a guest on the show. Let me chat to you about your experience, either in a Connection Lab workshop, a coaching program, maybe another type of workshop. We'd really like to hear your voice. Send us an email at guestplease at connectionlaboratory.com. Guestplease at connectionlaboratory.com. Send me a note. Let me know what you think. Raise your hand if you want to join the conversation. We'd love to have you on the show. Please join us. Uh, we are live in Vancouver at GGRP Little Mountain Sound Studios. Very exciting location. Um, very exciting conversations. Uh, right now, we are going to stop in the Connection Lab Network in Austin, Texas. Mark Frein is on the line with us. Hello, Mark. Hi. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm here in Austin, Texas at, I would say, Mark Frein Studios, because I do have uh, some recording equipment in my garage. You are a <laughs> guitar player, a musician. That is, that is true. Yeah, you I are. Try, I try. I try. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, you're a parent. You're a husband. You're a community builder. You're a gamer. You're, uh, I would say, a heavyweight in the people oh, development ouch. community. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were talking about my body image. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> but that is this is an intervention, Mark. We are we are no, I'm just kidding. We're not we're not interested in that. And you're you're fine. You cut a fine silhouette. So this is Lab Notes. That's the name of the podcast. This is a Connection Lab podcast. It's for people who've uh, experienced Connection Lab as a participant, whether they've done an executive program or a workshop or a three-day intensive, or it's folded into somebody else's program. And you have a bunch of experience with all of that as Connection Lab. You've, you've kind of helped this business and me grow dramatically. And you've also recently been a participant, and I'm really proud of you for that. Can you can you speak about our last experience with you as a participant at Connection Lab? Sure. I have been a participant uh, previously, but years ago, um, I have been a an active facilitator multiple times. Um, but it's always it's always both nerve wracking and also energizing to uh, put yourself into the vulnerability spot of of getting up in front of people and and bringing what you have as best as you can mm. um, and, uh, and, and, and just diving back into the practice. So um, my, in my experience of, of being a participant most recently was just when you know a lot about what you're doing, there's always risks of overdoing it in the wrong ways. And my first go, I put on more of a show than probably was actually called for by the audience the mm. second time. And I got that feedback, which is very helpful. And the second time around um, I just let loose a little bit and, and, dwelled in myself in more authentic ways and that improves things. So no matter how many times you get up and speak and no matter how many times we even do the work of Connection Lab, there's always something to remind you of what you, um, of how to reground you, I guess. It's like yoga or anything else that's practice-based like in that way, I think. Mm. Yeah, that really resonates for me. And of course, I have in my mind the image of you up there, which I think meant a ton to the group. The fact that a senior leader of the organization is happy to sit in, you know, a row with the chairs and the people shoulder to shoulder and then do all the exercises and then get up and take a swing at it, you know, mm -hmm. I just think mm -hmm. it, it means a lot to the people in the room. And it's interesting because I get pushback from time to time to say, you know, what do you think about having a senior person in the room with people who report to that 
person? Do you think that's appropriate? What, what's your comment for that? What's your take on that, especially in this context with Connection Lab? Well, I, I guess I would answer that in maybe a very different way, which is I, I, fi- I would find it very remarkably odd if the senior person in the room didn't participate. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because that choice of sitting out while being in the room and being available to do the work just strikes me as one where you are consciously putting yourself outside of an opportunity to develop with your team, and mm. which just just wouldn't make any sense to me. Um, so I suppose probably what's going on reasonably for leaders is they're worried that they might be uncomfortable or they might not show up the way they want. They might make a fool of themselves. All of those are reasonable concerns um, with your team. But the, the fact of the matter is, is when you actually get in front of a room with your teammates and develop alongside them, even if you completely gaff it or flub it up or, or don't rise to the occasion that you're hoping to, it has a message. You know, it, it creates meaning just simply being there with them. So it, it would strike me as odd not to do it that way, yeah. frankly. So again, that totally resonates for me. And I have a lot of conversations with leaders who point, no, no, mm. they're the ones who need to get better. The ones over mm-hmm. there need to get better. And I'm going, yeah, but how are you modeling that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you mm-hmm. modeling getting better at anything? Absolutely. And that's very struggling. These people struggle with that question. What else do you remember about our experience? Paint a picture for us. Where are we when you were in the workshop last uh, last, I was in um, kind of rural Germany and was, you know, working with a number of leaders at a very small startup, mm. German-based startup. Um, great big room, hot. There was <laughs> summertime and there, there was no air conditioning. Um, but uh, we made the best of it and, and very intimate in that way. It just people trying to uh, show their best, do their best um, and be vulnerable with each other. Um, which I thought was very memorable. It was also the end of a long day. Yes, also the end of a long day. Right, long day of meetings, big subjects being discussed, the future of the organization, the vision of the organization. There was some debate whether there would be time and space to actually do Connection Lab. That is correct. And I think you helped lead the charge to say, no, no, we got to do this. Sure, I'll I'll take (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yes, that's fair. Just take it, yeah. (laughs) So I often find the exhausted are the easiest to work with. Right, because they just don't be, have energy. There to may fight. be a plan there for you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Let me make some notes. Take a, take everybody out of 5K before they do Connection Lab. How about you do that? Yeah. <laughs> what else do you remember about the experience? Um, I was anxious in a way that I was self-conscious about, but in a way that no matter how many times, I mean, I've spoken in front of groups of a thousand mm-hmm. and, and um, sometimes people talk about you know, conquering and ultimately getting over one's anxiety I don't think you ever do. I think in some ways that if you are, if you'd have nothing going on in your belly before you're about to try to speak with people or connect with people and do that in a public, in a way that, that requires public presence, if you've lost any and all anxiety, you're at risk of actually losing some of your ability to show up your best, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I've, I've done this so much that I always, I means anxiety tells you that something is important is going to happen and that's okay. Um, so I remember being anxious, but uh, I'm, I also remember being really eager, you know, and, and, and being very enthused about uh, sharing, you know, some content about myself with a number of other people. Mm-hmm. When we allow people to do a writing exercise in Connection Lab, and especially make it about things that are, um, are important to them, it creates a lot of energy for the people who are about to present because you know there's something that you do want to share. Now, it's also a little bit of a trap because then the content becomes very important um, for you as a presenter. And that can that can be problematic when it comes to um, staying connected. Mm-hmm. But it does. Uh, I think it does bring the right energy, at least. It, I remember feeling really enthused about what I had to share. Mm. And I remember the gap between your first presentation and your second. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the mm-hmm. first time, to your point, it was kind of, you know, 
anxiety-driven and performance-related, and you wanted to do a good job, and that definition was kind of in your head. Mm-hmm. And sure. you let it rip, and there it was, and then you got some feedback from an audience, and the second time was very different. What? What? And I know it's a long time ago. I mean, it's months ago now, but what do you remember about the second time compared to the first? Well, I do remember the first time very in a very particular way, um, working it like almost like almost like acting, and I think your comment was, you know, you're you're acting, and mm. and that's not the challenge here. If we were acting, we would do something different, and mm. that's 100% accurate and fair. So then the question is, how do we, how do how do I, in this case, how do I step away from the tendency to, or the the inclination, the pull towards performance, to just a, um, you know, be with the people who are there and and make them an offer, you know. And so it was a good reminder of of how in, inauthenticity kind of gets in accidentally, even when you're not. When, even though when you don't intend you know, to have it. <laughs> right. You know, so, um, you know, you don't want to show up inauthentic, but you actually show up inauthentic more frequently when you are trying to be authentic as opposed to just not trying to do anything at all. So there's a little bit of, of just be, I think, Zen behind the advice of um, mm. lose the preconceptions and you're, you're going to end up showing better, which I think is very true in this case. Mm. I would add that you needed permission to begin. Mm-hmm. Putting connection before content. I think was the portal that was the reminder to go, oh, right, I, I can flip this over. And not for nothing, you're pretty good at both competencies, is putting connection with the audience ahead of your connection with the content. And mm-hmm. in the process, the quality of or the impact of the content multiplies dramatically. Mm-hmm. 100%. Is authenticity a product or a byproduct? Well, I think authenticity is something that your audience uh, decides for you right. uh, more than anything else. Right. So therefore... The risk of trying to be authentic is that you're already separating from yourself. Right. Um, and right. so it's, um, you know, it's almost, I think one ends up being accepted as authentic by one's audience when you are, um, you are being you. And the more you attempt to put on um, a show in certain ways, I think the more risk you have. So I think the worst thing for someone who wants to have the impact of being seen to be authentic by the audience is to try to be authentic. Just right. try to be Try to be who you are and, well, not even try, just be who you are. And uh, it's very likely the audience is going to accept you in that way and then see you as authentic. So I mean, is, it a, is it a product or a byproduct? Well, I'd say it's ultimately a reception. And by that, I Good. mean the audience is, is, um, is gifting you with that or not, Yeah, depend, depending on your choices. That works for me. I think what's important is the counterintuitive nature of it. To your point, <laughs> the more I'm trying to be authentic or honest or, you know, tr- in a way I'm trying to control my audience's experience of me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When in, the opposite is to surrender that control and say, I right. don't decide for you what you think of me. I absolutely do not. The only thing I can control is my offer and my invitation. Exactly. And you decide. And the more you honor the audience's autonomy and their right to decide, the more they're going to lean towards you and 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 define you in a way that I think reflects your values and your morals and your ethics and your vision and your ambition. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I would say... Um, I mean, what do I, what do I have on retrospect about this? Um, from my own experience and then seeing other people, I think at the end of the day, what we can do when we are trying to connect to an audience of some kind, especially in the world of business is offer who we are, uh, with as little intent to impress as possible. Mm. So I kind of think of it this way. If I'm walking on stage and I'm thinking about what do I need to do to be impressive? I've already lost the, you're in a hole. The game. I'm in the hole. <laughs> if I'm walking on stage 
really interested and enthusiastic about making an offer and connecting with the people who are in front of me, at least I'm not going to get in my way, my own way. I mean, yeah. there's all sorts of all sorts of other things that could happen that could be good or bad, but at least I'm not going to create an artificial barrier between myself and the audience because I'm not in my own head. Yeah. I'm I'm just there to in service of of the people, um, which I think is the is the key. Mm-hmm. I can't be curious and judgmental at the same time. Mm-hmm. So if I walk on stage in the spirit of curiosity. Like, what is this place? What's going on here? What would be useful? What would be fun? What would be interesting? And not for nothing, I have a whole bunch of content lined up, but in the spirit of curiosity, I think that one transition, because otherwise I'm in the spirit of judgment, which is, oh boy, I wish I'd Mm. written something different for, you know, slide 26, and Mm -hmm. I wish I'd worn different shoes, and I don't know if this crowd likes me. I'm already in my head. I'm in judgment. Yep. So the only reason I bring that up is because it's a competency I can practice, is curiosity. Absolutely. Love it. So how did your practice change, if at all? So we're after our event in August, and I know you and I have, have done all kinds of stuff since. And But I'm curious if your practice changed or if your consciousness changed or if anything changed after the workshop. Um, for me, uh, it was a really – the most important thing was a reminder and a reminder of, of the preparation to show up best and how when one takes the stage, regardless if that's in front of a few people or – a hundred or a thousand or on a television show mm. or whatever it is, is, is lose attachment to one's content in a way that's meaningful. That doesn't mean you just crumple it up in a ball and throw it out the window. It just, it just means the content can be a crutch and then a focus. And the way I like to think about it, you know, when, when I'm doing my best work, when it was in front of people is the content ultimately is co-created. Mm. So if I can approach in the spirit of co-creation with an audience, what I'm about to say, and by co, I mean, obviously it doesn't mean just co-create. I mean, they're not, they may not say anything, but they're still co-creating what happens, which is I'm trying to get them involved and invested in what's happening by just being, um, being as, as human as I could possibly can be and at, at greatest service and at greatest connection with them. Mm. So I think for me, it was a reminder of how easy it is, to get attached to the words that you think are really important for people to hear, as opposed to the experience of, of you that people will ultimately, you know, enjoy or find meaning in and, you know, and walk away from whatever you've just done, knowing you better, or at least feeling like they know you better and, and feeling energized or inspired or challenged or, you know, if, if I, if I actually want to have that impact on the people who are listening, um, I have to work in their service. Mm. So I can't work in my own service. I can't, you know, I have to, I have to be um, to some degree at the disposal of the audience, even if unlike in Connection Lab itself, they're not, I'm not I'm never going to hear that feedback per se, but I still need to think of the whole situation as I'm in, I'm in service of the people who I'm about to address. How, mm. what do I need to do here to, to, um, to be of service? And I think if, for me, it was a reminder of how important that is. Mm. Well, I would stand up for that <laughs> hand over the heart. You know, I'm in the bag for that one. But what comes up for me as you talk about that is how do I show up under stress? Because as easy as it is for us to talk about this in our comfy chairs, under stress, I might make a choice where I assert my needs ahead of the audience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that becomes a really powerful question is how do I show up under stress? Because I might be rehearsed and practiced and love the content and anticipate best things and then changes in the program and in the environment and in my life. And the next thing I know, I'm on stage, but I'm under much more stress than I anticipated. And under stress, do I make different choices? 
Uh-huh. And can I notice that without judgment or correction? Can I just notice that I'm making different changes? Which brings up permission to fail. Sure. Right? So all these things are connected. Absolutely. Amazing. Do you have any questions for me? You've been doing this a long time. What <laughs> What do you like best about doing it still? I mean, there's they talk about professional sports people who do, you know, who play tennis or baseball for 10, 15 years. The same thing, you know, over and over again. So what, mm. likely there's events that you love, that you think back, you know, with a lot of, in, a lot of fondness and there's things that kind of blend in everything. But what, what do you enjoy most about doing the work that you're doing in this? What I love is that moment when somebody is on stage in front of an audience and they are convinced that they are not good presenters, that they are shy, that their content is no good. They are convinced they are inadequate in a hundred ways. And then that moment where they flourish and arrive and the audience just adores them and they feel the sensation of being adorable Uh and that they so far surpass their wildest fantasies about what kind of communicator they are, what kind of presenter they are, what kind of human being they are. And to be in the room and to help facilitate events and moments like that is just the best possible thing in the world. For, for me, this is what I want my leadership legacy to be, is to show people how and invite them to practice. Because mm-hmm. I want them to leave the room and have conversations that help others emerge as outstanding communicators and outstandingly impactful human beings in anything they choose to apply themselves to. So this never gets old. This never gets to that moment when the whole room gasps, including the presenter. And it can mm-hmm. be very emotional or not. But when human beings achieve their potential in a moment... There are few feelings in the world as fantastic as that. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah, that's my thing. It's, it's good that it's good to speak that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you're right. It is good to speak that because <laughs> words are actions. So I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. That's it, man. I'm going to let you go. Hey, my pleasure. So, so great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for sharing everything. And uh, you and I will talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Cheers. Bye. Oh, I can feel you have a reaction. You're reacting to these conversations, aren't you? First of all, thank you so much for listening. And you should join us. Text me. That's a great idea. Text me, 646-780-9946. Just send me a ping. Couple of notes, couple of... Whatever it is that you need to interject into these conversations, we want to hear from you. Send me a text. That number again is 646-780-9946. We're going to put you on the show. You should be here. We're going to continue our conversations now, seeking the answer in relationship, because I just don't want to sit here and blab. (laughs) And I do want to talk to Ramon Barnes. Ramon, welcome. Thank you for joining us. You got it, Russ. Anytime. I love it. You are in Montclair, New Jersey. Correct. And you are a member of the Connection Lab Network. And we're just so excited to have you on the show. Yeah, proudly so. So... Talk about, just briefly, what is Connection, what, where are you in the Connection Lab sphere? What are you doing with us? I am doing, uh, helping with marketing at large, like in general, and I think more importantly than, than say the word marketing is like just helping us to articulate who we are authentically so that as we are talking with people about being in a relationship, about 
their relationship to their self and their audience and their content and all these wonderful things, we are also being mindful about how we communicate those things ourselves as a company, as a brand, as people, mm. you know, all the different ways that we have to think about that stuff. So some people might call that marketing, um, but I think the way we talk about it is really just trying to make sure we're being authentic when we communicate. Mm. And you're in a Connection Lab program. Oh, definitely. Talk about that. What do you remember about our work so far? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And when I say that, I know it's a pretty <laughs> dense question. It's not very fair. But what's top of mind for you when I when I mention that? I'd say right now is it's it's the first module in being in a relationship because now that means something different. Even when people ask me um, about relationships broadly, it means something very different to me to be in a relationship with a person. And I think what comes up for me right now is the way that relationships, if <laughs> um, to keep using the phrase, if you are in a relationship, are so deep. And so um, there's so much breath to them if you let there be. And, and I'd also add, like, if you know what to look for and, and how those things can affect your relationship, you know, I'm thinking about the atmosphere is, is coming up for me, the atmosphere module and how, you know, when we talked about noticing your surroundings and just how those things affect the relationships that you have so much, whether it's in a particular instance at an event or a party in your face to face or, or, just the general atmosphere of your relationship with that person. So I, I think that's what's coming up for me right now because it's the holidays and I've been in different contexts with different people and seeing how those things have been affecting um, my interactions. Hmm. What are you noticing about relationship? As you go to parties, as you go to different events, as you see people engage with each other, as you engage with people, what are you noticing? That, you know, it's, I'm so glad you asked me that because we had an event, we had some people over our house <laughs> and I felt like our entire get together was giving of permission. And I've noticed, I, I, I wouldn't say I'd ever able to articulate it before, but I noticed this in our event, people just talk to each other and everyone talks to everyone else. I know because I was going around and asking, have you talked to so-and-so and have you talked to so-and-so and have you talked to so-and-so and everyone had already, oh yeah, I talked to him and I know they live over there and I talked to them and I know they live over there. And it was a great experience because not only did we want that to happen, I feel like whatever we put into our space gave people permission to do so. Mm. And so they did it and they kept doing it and they kept doing it and they kept doing it. Um, and there wasn't really anyone who was hiding in the corner or um, anyone who wasn't engaged and I really felt a deep responsibility and noticed how taking that responsibility seriously can really uh, make a difference. You know, it can really make a difference. My wife and I literally talked about before it. Oh my gosh, we have so many cool people coming into our house. We just want them to all be in the same space together. Um, and so one, seeing it happen, but seeing what happened when all those people were in the space, I'd say was really um, eye-opening. And also just reminded me of the responsibility we all have, right? To make sure we're giving that permission by, by modeling and doing the best we can to put that into the space that we're in. Mm. Well, that resonates profoundly for me. Have you had any experience recently in an environment where there wasn't so much permission? Yes. And because it's you, you always have this way of like bringing it out of me, even when I <laughs> don't know it's there. Um, I'd say... Right. What popped up into my mind immediately was client relationships. Mm. And when 
the relationship can be contentious because of maybe it's a bad execution or maybe the client does or does not understand everything that's happening and that causes certain breakdowns in communications to happen. And all of a sudden, there's just no permission to be yourself. There's no permission to be candid. There's no, there's no space for truth. Um, even when you're trying to bring that, you feel like you're trying to bring that to the space and it doesn't really change anything. It can be extremely frustrating um, over time. But I'd say even then, over time, if you can, you know, back away, I've, I've learned to like back away and I won't say if you can, I'll say when I have mm-hmm. allowed myself to back away and reconnect to that situation from the space I want to be in, I guess what I'm doing is kind of disengaging so that I can bring it back to that space where it wasn't there yeah. um, because I'm noticing it's not there and there's kind of nothing more I can do. I've learned that the only thing I can do is disengage and so that I can come back better because otherwise if I stay engaged, I'm not going to be who I want to be mm. in that, in that time. Can, can I suggest that you're choosing how to show up under that stress? <laughs> yes, you can. That is exactly right. I think it is. Yeah. I think that's exactly what you're doing is choosing how to show up because this idea that you can casually back away and just breathe is a choice about how to show up under that stress because the alternative is to try and drive an agenda or try and force a point or mm-hmm. try and make somebody understand something, which I think we all know can be extremely difficult, if not impossible. Yeah. And to be fair, I have not always given myself permission to do that. I've definitely, I would always force the issue. Um, I didn't want to leave a conversation with something unresolved, Um, especially if it was a client. I didn't want to seem as if I wasn't answering everything in that moment or, or like I didn't have an answer in that moment. Mm. Um, And now I've learned better. It's, better to not have the answer in that moment so that when I do have it or when I or not have the feeling in that moment and back away so that when I do have that feeling, I can respond from where that feeling is, is bringing me. Because otherwise, if I respond in that moment from a space that I didn't want to respond from or that isn't right for this situation, it always comes back to bite me. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. So do you see yourself in a challenged relationship like that? When you're dealing with a client who's perhaps suffering from or doesn't quite give themselves permission or you permission or the the situation permission. Do you see yourself in that moment, a version of yourself from years ago or even months ago? Can you relate to that person differently or no? You know, if this was the beginning of our journey, I would say no. Right. I do not see that they're being this way and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's no way that was me. Now, I would say one of the big reasons that I can disengage is because I have empathy for that person being the way they are. I know what it's like to be in that space and I can disconnect it from me. I know that if they're upset or if they're confused or whatever it is, I perceive them to be feeling. Yeah. I know it's not about me. Yeah. It's, it's not about how they feel about Ramon. Yeah. Because I know for me, it wasn't usually about that person. Even if they were frustrating me, there was usually something even underlying that. And Mm -hmm. that has allowed me to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to give them their space. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what? Right now, I need some space, whatever the case may be. But I'd say without that little piece of empathy, you know, being able to go, you know, I've seen myself do this. I think it was a lot harder to do what I'm doing now. 
So the way you're describing it, empathy feels like a competency I can practice. Oh, without a doubt. Well, without I think there's a version of me that would have doubted that, that empathy was in fact a value or an emotional flexibility that I either had or didn't have. This idea mm. that it's a competency mm. that I can practice. It's something that if I choose, right. if I want to get better at it, I can choose to get better at the competency of empathy. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. You know, with all this stuff, I feel like the more you practice, you know, these mus- with these muscles and, and flex these muscles a bit and stretch them and, you know, figure them out, the more they show up for you, mm. I'd say. Oh, I like the same, that. Yeah. I like the same that. way a muscle does. So. Right. The more they show up for you under stress. Right. Right. There's a moment where all of a sudden my consciousness shrinks to tunnel vision, but my body has a memory of showing up a certain way. And all of a sudden I, I have more empathy in that moment. Without a doubt. And, and it's important that I have learned over time that when you talk about under stress, it's super important. It is really important to always remember under stress. And I say that because especially like in a client situation, you know, someone's giving you dollars to perform a service Mm. and whether or not you perceive whatever value they're looking for, or they perceive the value you think you're bringing makes all those things make for a very stressful situation when you know they are not perceiving it and, and, or you aren't able to show them that value, whatever it may be. That's a very stressful situation. Yes, And so disengaging in some way, which could be an automatic perceived subtraction of value, right? Mm, right, right. <laughs> from, a, from a client standpoint is, is pretty risky. And so I think there, there's a certain amount of confidence you have to have, and it's not ego confidence. It, at least it, I don't think it comes from that place. It comes from what you just talked about in regards to, you know, I've, I've disengaged before and I was rewarded for it. I'm going to just Trust the process and hope that that happens again here. Okay, I'm going to talk to them later. And over time, the more you do it, the more times, you know, you're you're rewarded for kind of helping to helping yourself to choose what you know you should. Mm. I'd say that the easier it gets, like anything else, like you said, practicing the competency makes you more confident in using it. I love that. I love that. Um, You're on an executive program with us. You're doing the full poll. It's taking a while, but you're doing all eight modules. <laughs> no doubt. And we're halfway through. Is that right? Yeah, we are. I think we just got done with storytelling. No, we just did atmosphere. Oh, we, got, we haven't done yeah, storytelling yet. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So right. first module is relationship, discovering the audience. Yep. Second module is demand. Demand, I remember that one. demand and call to action. Third module is imagery and imagination. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then the fourth one is atmosphere. So you have a unique perspective. There are people listening right now who've been to a workshop, who've done this for four hours. I mean, you've, you've been audience for uh, executives who are going through an individual program, an yeah, abbreviated sure. program. You've got a lot of experience in the room with Connection Lab. It's so rewarding. Like, I feel like it's hard to get through all of the program without being audience. I say that because I feel like whenever I'm audience, I'm going through the program. Yeah. Right. Like part of the program is being an audience so that you can watch someone else experience something you've experienced similarly. And it reinforces what you felt. It reinforces what you, the the different conclusions or the different things you've come to the muscles you've been uh, flexing, right? And, mm. and it reminds you of all of that stuff. It really comes flooding back to you when you watch someone else in 
in relationship, right? When you're feeling it with them, it's a pretty amazing thing. Um, and I will definitely say of all the workshops, classes, um, types of things I've ever taken there. I don't think there's ever been one that builds on itself the way that these do mm. um, in a way that, that's strictly organic and can only be experienced when you are experiencing them. When you are in relationship. Like there's definitely something pretty magical about going through a module and then being, being uh, atmosphere, being uh, audience. <laughs> right. Yeah. I still remember that session, our, our uh, atmosphere session. That was a heavy one. That was, that was super intense, and I really, really enjoyed it. And not for nothing, you really throw yourself at this work. I mean, talk about modeling. You just kind of, you know, pull your hair back and dive in the deep end. And I just think your relationship to the work speaks to the value that you're getting out of it. And I think that that's really mm-hmm. important. So what are you practicing now? What are you trying to get better at these days? You know, I've hit a bit of a um, of a place where I'm um, – gliding for lack of a better way to say it. I sure. can, what I can say is I'm working actively on content. I can say that right now, my relationship to content. Yep. But all that said, I, f- I feel like I've shifted gears into a place where I'm doing a lot less of coming up with content and a lot more of letting the content come out of me and, and take form. I'm just going to breathe um, into that. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, yeah it's so, a great experience. Well, and what happens, I find, as this work continues, is that line between the relationship to self and relationship to content starts to blur. Mm, yes. Right? What if I start yes. to trust that, in fact, I am my content, that even in silence, I am the embodiment of what I value and my ambition and my vision and my hope and my fear? What if I am my content? I just find that an interesting dynamic. And, of course, it's a, a framework we can dive down, but it's the result of practice. That, that question is the result of practice. Are you well, faci- – go ahead. I, I wanted to jump in because what you're saying is what I'm experiencing yeah. right now at this moment. And part of it is I've come to a certain amount of what I feel is hard-won confidence in my relationship to self. Mm. And because of that, I don't do a lot of doubting of me – And I've noticed because that is the case, all I have to do is know the context that I want my content to come from Mm. and talk. That's it. I don't have to think of the content so much. I just have to remember the context in that if I'm talking to a client, Mm -hmm. so for instance, today I was actually at a client call and Uh I need to remember the context they're in so that I'm not just speaking um, and having a broad relationship to some audience who's out there. I'm having a relationship with the people um, slash client that's in front of me. And once I do that, because I know my values now and I'm always pulling from those same values, all I have to do is apply those values to this context. Mm. Um, and those values live inside me. They're with me all the time. And now that I'm trying to do my best to articulate those values on paper and you know, putting them in spaces, putting them up on the wall, they're always in front of me, the values, right? Like mm. not necessarily how, what to do with them in every situation, but what to do with them manifests when the time comes. Mm. And that's been a pretty amazing experience um, recently that I haven't experienced in this way before. Mm. I would say, like most people, I was much more focused on the content before I would go into 
you know, it didn't matter what I was going into. I could be going in a conversation with my wife about something I know we might have issues about. And I'd be like, I think I'm going to say this. And I think mm. I'm going to say that. And I think I'm going to say this. Or I'd be going to the client meeting and I'd be like, oh, I got to study the deck and make sure I know everything that was in there. And, you know, I find now that, no, I, I remember what my company values are and what we are here to practice. And I remember what my values are. We actually wrote down our family values mm. recently. It's like, how do I want to make sure I'm showing up in that space, what's the context and let my heart speak. Mm. My brain can be in there some too, of course, but it's been working tremendously. It's, 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 it's not even that it's working. It's that it's more rewarding to be my true and honest self in every situation and walk away and know that there's nothing I could have done better because I was just, all I had to do was be me. Mm. Well, it's energizing to talk to you as a member of your audience, your relationship to self content and me is energizing. I find it's confidence building. I find mm. that it's opportunity revealing. And as energized, because I don't, I want to separate that from when you and I first met, mm. because I think there was some controlling in play, right? And I think that's fairly common mm. is how mm -hmm. to control people's experience of me, mm, and, right? Yes. What I want to do is control the value of this conversation. I want to control the value of the relationship. I want people to have very specific takeaways when they talk to me and I want to decide what they are. And the more committed I am to those outcomes, the further away they get from me. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I think that was some of the tension you were living in when we were first talking. Yes. Was you had an appetite and an instinct and an ambition but you didn't quite know the how. You didn't quite have a methodology that was going to get you to where something that was just felt so close to you. So it was right in your hand mm -hmm. and yet so elusive. Yes, like through and through. And I feel all of those things, what you're saying. And I can look back. We've done this in sessions before. Yeah. Looking back at that Ramon, right? And um, who he was. And it's amazing. I remember that Ramon. I was, and I definitely will say like i want to tie it this keeps coming up for me right now so i'm going to share it mm -hmm. um that ramon would always show up in a suit i'd always have a vest i'd make sure my best watch was on um i would be a little upset if i hadn't shaven just right and i didn't have a haircut and i mentioned that because today going into my pitch i wore jeans i still had a vest on but uh there was no tie i used to always wear a tie mm. it's so foreign to me now and it's because that's, yeah, that's just so funny. I was so caught up in making sure the experience of me, I was controlling as much as possible. Yeah. And now the last, the very last meeting I had with them, I didn't even wear a button up shirt. I wore a polo mm. and jeans. Um, and that was the very first pitch. I remember because I thought, oh, should I wear this? And I was like, eh, I'm just going to go and be myself. And I, you know, I've realized that part of what I'm bringing to any interaction is, this is how I, I want you to experience me in all the ways there are to experience me because mm. that's going to make our total experience deeper. And I would say what I'm going to be is curious about you. Right. What I'm going to do is go into the meeting and be curious about you. I don't control your experience of me. <laughs> I don't know what you see. I don't know what you're coming from. I don't know what your predispositions are. I cannot control your experience of me. I'm going to wear comfortable clothes and they might be a suit and tie and a vest or they might be a polo and jeans or whatever, but I'm not going to be able to control that. What I am going to control is the quality of my offer and the quality of my invitation. That's really all I can control. And I want to be so curious about you 
You know, if you're a potential business client, if you're the bus driver, if you're serving my coffee, if you're, you know, just a person in my community, I want to practice being curious about you. Well, and I would be remiss if I did not mention part of the reason I know I was doing that here, especially when I moved to New York and I wanted to make sure I was making a good impression because I've read Recently, I've read articles about how specifically people of color know when they were going to a professional work environment, they always dress as best as possible Mm. because they know that's one way they can help someone to not judge them in some particular way. Or they think, I should say they think that is a way to help control that situation. And as I have backed away from trying to control what someone's going to think of me in general, I've found it a lot less need to do so. Right. Like I can't control what you're going to think of me, no matter what I wear, no matter what I do. So I might as well at least make sure I'm being comfortable, make sure that I am bringing my best self by being comfy and wearing (laughs) whatever it is I feel is going to help me show up well for you. Um, because, you know, again, I already know that in order to really be who I want to be, I'm going to have to know, as you said, like what's going on with you. I'm going to have to know your context. I'm going to have to know what's going on. What would be useful? What would be fun? What would be interesting? How can I be of service? I'm not promising to be a service. I'm just curious (laughs) how. (laughs) Right. Oh, I love that. Exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So do you have any questions for me? Oh, I always have questions for you. Um, (laughs) and I think, one of them I'm uh, curious about right now is leadership and authority. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've come back to this one quite a bit, um, I think. And it's because I feel like right now in this moment, for me, I have a team now that I'm really, really happy about having. Mm. Uh, we were all just kind of drawn to each other. And I am navigating this new space of when to lead from a place of authority, when to, what leadership means, I think, in mm-hmm. certain, in different contexts, mm-hmm. when um, you care about what others think and you want to make sure they feel ownership. Mm. I mean, you're not guiding them to conclusions, but you're looking for their conclusions and their thoughts on yeah. things. Yeah. So what's your question? I think it's, t- so this is why, I think this is why I was, um, hedging a little bit. It's because I'm looking for the combination of theory and practice with leadership and authority. Oh, great. The difference between theory and practice when you're trying to practice leadership versus authority. Great. Excellent. Does that make sense? Yes. So first of all, raise it to consciousness. Is there a difference between leadership and authority Mm. in this moment under stress? Mm. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between leadership and authority? It's kind of a bell I cannot unring. Right. right. Once a bell gets rung, it's yes. it's really hard to unring a bell. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that instinct. And sometimes you can ask if the team is small, do we just need to call the play here? Because people have different opinions and different things they want right. to do. Do we just need to call the play? Think in terms mm-hmm. of authority of calling the play. Right. That's the action right. verb. Now we're into call to action and demand. Does the audience feel seen and heard? Does your team <laughs> feel seen right. and heard? And they'll tell you if you ask and then get their input and then. You know, you'll, your gut will tell you and you need permission to fail and you need permission to succeed, mm, mm-hmm. right? So all these other things come into play. But here's my question. Is there some competency in this experience that you're trying to get better at? Because if there's something here you're trying to get better at, mm. then you're leaning towards leadership because now you have the choice to be transparent about it, right? Uh-huh. What, what I'm trying to get better at is blank, is feedback after a meeting. 
you know, I'm going to ask you questions about, you know, are you being managed well? Is there anything you need more of from me? Is there anything you need less of from me? That's leadership, is vulnerability, is saying I'm not as good at this as I want to be. Whatever mm-hmm. the competency is I'm trying to get better at, I'm not as good at it as I want to be, which is when we talk about vulnerability, that's what we're talking about. I'm being transparent about not being as good at something as I want to be. Versus authority, which is if the building is on fire and you're the only one who knows to get us out, this is not a learning moment. Right. You have got to call the play. You've got to tell us what to do, how to do it, where to go, and be super clear and model for us what it looks like to get out of the building safely. Right. Right. I I think you hit it. It's that piece of being vulnerable, but knowing what to do with that vulnerable space, i.e. remembering it's about them and and making sure I'm curious about where they are. Do you, is there anything you need from me? Is there any more, anything more that I can do for you? Or or less. Is there anything less less I can do? Right. Um, Which I think is a really vulnerable question for people in authority positions. Yeah. And this goes back to what you first said when I asked you, what do you remember about your Connection Lab program? And the first thing you said was relationship. Yeah. Yes. Notice how all these modules are connected back to the base, Mm -hmm. which is, does my audience feel seen? Does my audience feel heard? Does my audience feel necessary? Yeah, that's, I love that. And we're breathing. And we're breathing. (laughs) Right. And we're breathing. So listen, we have to wrap up. All right. Any other questions for me? Any questions, thoughts, needs, or feelings? No, that was it. I'm feeling really good. It's just so great to chat with you. I really appreciate you helping me out with this and jumping on the call. And we'll do it again soon. I'll see you soon, I'm sure. Definitely. Thank you, Russ. Um, I appreciate the time. Always, always. Cheers, my friend. More to come. Cheers to you. Okay. Talk soon. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. So there we go. That's our show today. Thank you so much for tuning in and sticking through it. I hope it's been useful. I hope it's been interesting. I hope it's been inspiring. I'm hoping that it was so inspiring that you're going to send us a text, 646-780-9946. Or maybe an email. Maybe you want to be a guest on the show. Guest, please, at ConnectionLaboratory.com. We'd love to have you join us. The Connection Lab Network spreads around the world, and our mission is to help the world become just the best communicator you can be. We want to co-create a world of great communicators, and I believe that includes you. You are so, so very good at this. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Lab Notes, the Connection Lab podcast. For more information about our workshops and executive development programs, you can email us at info at connectionlaboratory.com or go to our website, connectionlaboratory.com.